Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning Shot. Good morning. I'm Min Li Fu. Welcome to Morning Shot. At the recent May Day rally, Singapore's labour movement says it's making moves to court youths as part of its efforts to keep up with the latest changes in worker demographics and the economy. Now, this comes as career planning emerges as one of the key concerns during the union's earlier engagements with youths. And just turning the clock back a little here, have you wondered how much impact higher education has on the possibility of your desired career? Well, higher education institutes say the interest in studying abroad, which dwindled during the COVID-19 pandemic, has picked up once again. So for students thinking of studying abroad or parents who are considering sending your children to an overseas university, now that borders have reopened with the easing of COVID-19, perhaps you might wonder if studying abroad will put you in a better stead here. To shed light on these questions, we're joined by Razali Norazmi, Office Manager for Australia and New Zealand at IDP Singapore. Good morning, Razali. Hi, good morning, Lindy. Now, tell us, what are some of the key concerns you're hearing from prospective study abroad students as well as their parents? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think like you mentioned, all the borders are reopened, so we've kind of tapered off the COVID bit. So usually students and parents do come to us with a list of questions. Singaporeans are usually very, very prepared. Uh, usually the first consideration will be the course availability as well as the ranking of the university. In Singapore itself, students tend to ask for more professional programs. Uh, I would mention the likes of medicine, dentistry, law, or even allied health. Now, these programs usually have a limit in terms of how many students they can matriculate within a year. So actually, understanding this process uh, becomes very, very key when you're trying to get a spot into these programs as well. Now, uh, for professional programs, usually there is an accrediting body in Singapore which provides a list of institutions that a student can study or practice when they come back to Singapore, which is very, very useful. Uh, It makes it a lot easier as well. Now, on the other side, there are also general courses, you know, the likes of Bachelor of Arts or Bachelor of Science. Now, for these kind of programs, because there's no accrediting body, usually the way Singaporean parents or students go around it is ranking the university. So, ranking plays a big part in a key, uh, when factoring which university you want to go to. Now, aside to all this, students and parents love to ask about scholarship opportunities and, of course, cost of living. Mm-hmm. Now, it differs across study destination and state, uh, but usually most institutions will offer some form of scholarship. And at IDP, we can share with you what you need to prepare in terms of money-wise or finance-wise. Now, on top of all this, of course, uh, safety is paramount. So that's usually the key question parents ask as well. So these are all the factors that parents and students tend to ask when they meet our counsellors. So we are Money FM. <laughs> That's why I'm going to be talking to you more about the cost bit of things. Is it really worth the investment going to places like Australia, New Zealand and, and you know, other countries for further studies? Tell us more about how that plays into parents' considerations. Well, it, it's a very big part of the consideration, definitely. Uh, some parents and students go into the mindset, that, look, uh, this is the amount of money I'm willing to spend for an overseas education. Therefore, we try to tell it based on the country, the cost, as well as the state, because it makes a massive difference, for example, studying in the likes of maybe Melbourne or Adelaide. Uh, 
Uh, now, how we usually go about this is we try to inform the parents and students uh, about the full cost that you're thinking about mm-hmm. now. Usually, parents or students only think about, okay, I only need to think about the tuition fee. Uh, and then maybe I give my kid a certain amount of money in a month and then they'll see it through. There are sometimes things that they tend to forget, you know, administrative stuff, maybe even textbooks that students have to buy usually mm-hmm. online now. Mm-hmm. So all these considerations, we tell them upfront so they can be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, is it a valuable investment? I personally studied overseas and I would say it is very, very valuable. Now, it really de- de- it is dependent on the student as well because usually we tell the student, look, don't just go overseas to get that piece of paper and graduate, you know. Make the best of it. Network as much as you can. Attend all their career fair. Use the institution's uh, network. Also, they usually help students to find internship. Use all this because how valuable uh, an education is is really dependent on what the student decides to do with it. Mm. That's my mm. take in terms of whether well it's said. Well said, Razali. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about course options now. There's so many, right? A wide range of course options available. Is there a quick way to pick out whether a college specialises in the specific course that you're looking to pursue? And conversely, how do you tell if an employer is likely to hire someone from a particular course or a particular university? Yeah, this, again, uh, college-wise, yes, there are schools that are maybe, I would say, research, more research-focused. There are also institutions that are more focused on, you know, getting the student's career ready. And depending on what you want to study, we can usually tell you, okay, which is probably the institution you should be looking at. But to simplify the process, I usually ask what the student intends to study first. Again, if you're talking about a professional course, you know, the likes of medicine, dentistry, again, there's matrices that you can use. And these are only the list of schools that you can attend. For general courses, on the other hand, usually we explore through ranking and then how much you're willing to spend. Mm -hmm. And then we go through, okay, these are probably the schools that you're more geared towards. Now, I really would advise a quick way to kind of navigate through this is to speak to one of the counsellors because they can tell you exactly what's good about this institution. Is this institution more career focused or are they more research incentive? Now, students and parents should definitely plan ahead. Give themselves some time and opportunity to speak as many, to as many institutions as possible. Doing this, you can really understand and differentiate uh, the different universities and what they can specialise in. Okay, I'm going to talk more about that. You know, we, we keep seeing news about layoffs, especially in the tech industry. So from a career point of view, looking at course selection, should students consider that? And what other considerations would you typically encourage students to think about? Okay, I'll address the second part first. I mm-hmm. think in terms of when students are trying to pick out a career, or like you mentioned earlier about career planning itself, usually you advise students when picking out a career or an area of study, Passion and interest should always come first. Mm. Now, job markets and demand changes over time. But based on our experience, passion and interest really go a long way. You can really see the students who are passionate about a subject area or career, they tend to do better. They tend to put in a lot more effort. And the good example is they are more knowledgeable about the industry and they know which other companies that they want to work for. And this really shows because you're really, really interested to get into this industry. So... That should always be the number one priority. Now, mm-hmm. occasionally, we do get students who may, have, may not have an area of interest. Uh, time and time, sometimes students come to office and say, look, I don't really know what I want to do. Now, for these students, a few things that we will tell them. Try to pick out what you think you're good at first. Maybe you're studying a polytechnic or A-level. Know the subject that you're very, very interested in. That's a probably good start. And then we try to share with them, you know, certain career professions which are quite popular. 
uh, maybe some more evergreen than others, like those in the healthcare sector, mm-hmm. just to give them some perspective. Now, about the recent tech layoff, look, that is a cause for concern, especially for students who are currently in IT or even planning to get in IT. However, it should never deter the student, especially those who really have interest in it. Again, now, for my advice for these students is uh, speak widely. Speak widely to your parents, uh, maybe to your family as well, just to understand the different professions and industry available at the workforce. Uh, at IDP as well, what we try to do actually, because we've got a big network of students and alumni, so we do invite our alumni sometimes to share, you know, what your first year working like or what it is like working in a fintech. This is really just to give our students who are still a bit confused or unsure a bit more perspective and insight about what they do day to day and actually how their studies help them get into positions like this. Hopefully with all these uh, webinars or seminars, uh, students get a better understanding about what they're getting into as well. Razali, your area of specialisation is in Australia and New Zealand universities. Could you give us some sense of what kind of experiences these two countries offer and how is it different from places like the US and the UK? Yeah, I think, well, I can go on all day about the amazing things I did in Australia, so that's going to be hard. But I'll try to uh, keep it very, very simple. Now, firstly, Australia and New Zealand, I think both destinations are very, very welcoming. Again, it's one of the first few things parents tend to ask whether it's a safe place to study and the answer is usually yes. Uh, Another comparison they tend to do is in terms of the well-being of their students when it comes to studying. Of course, in anything that you do, even work or even studying, there will be some form of stress. Uh, But I think the institution at Australia handles it very, very well because at the end of the day, they just want to make sure the students are either career-ready or also get very good grades and prepare them for the workforce. It is a very high level of education. There is a misconception. Some people say like, oh, maybe it's too easy. Uh, it's actually not. You still have to put in a lot of work to get ensure you get really good grades. Uh, but overall, I would say it's very welcoming. Uh, it really focuses on students trying to find themselves and build up their soft skills so that that's not the, the set or the degree is not the only thing that the student come back with. Now, another benefit I want to share as well, since we're on the topic, is mm-hmm. when you study at Australia, UK, and even and UK as well, the good thing is you also get the post-study work visa. Now, the good thing is once you finish your education, you can continue to stay there and find jobs. I think this is really in line with, you know, the government uh, telling the kids to always be having a more bigger or global worldview. Mm. And this really helps because you're going to build a good network outside of Singapore before you come back and find a job. Speaking of jobs... What about industry experience while they're studying, internship opportunities? What can we you know, look forward to there or expect in terms of those opportunities for internships? Uh, internship and industry experience definitely help. Uh, it gives students a bit of an advantage when they're applying for a job. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, institutions have always put a great emphasis uh, on building a very comprehensive cost structure that cover more than just the practical or the theory element, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the school do provide internships and give students the opportunity to experience the reality of working in the real world. Generally, all institutions would have a department that helps matches students to internships. Again, very useful tool and sh- students should definitely make use of it during their study period. 
certain institutions also make internship or work experience a mandatory requirement. Now, since it's mandatory, the course administrator will usually assist the student to acquire an internship. Now, there are cases where the industry is very packed, that all the internships are filled up. Now, how the university combats this is usually they get a project from a company uh, and the students are allowed to work on the project to benefit the company. That way, even though you don't get an internship, you get this thing they call the workplace integrated. So you, you still do company projects as part of your module. All right. Thank you very, very much for your insights and perspectives, Razali. We've been speaking with Razali Norazmi, Office Manager for Australia and New Zealand at IDP Singapore. Have a good day ahead. Thank you, Lenny. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.